to certain numbers. They go to conferences. People spend lots of money on learning how to make the right decisions. And I'm going to tell you this morning, through the Word, how you can make the right choice. And good week to come, okay? Well, let's find out, shall we? Let's look to the Proverbs and see what it says about decision-making, about the Lord's will, about how we make the right choice. Some of the Proverbs I'm going to skip over because I will not be covering them as much. So, here we go. So, Proverbs 11.14 to begin. It's praying your worship guide also you can look in the Bible too. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joys. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes steps. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Wisdom is too high for a fool, and the gate he does not open his mouth. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. And we pray that uh, it would uh, influence us. It would help us. And now we think about decision making. Just pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Again, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, which uh, we say is a lot about wisdom. And uh, we've said it's kind of the skill for godly living. The skill for godly living. It is how you take knowledge, thoughts, ideas, principles, and put it into action in the right time and in the right place. And I guess I could make an argument that really the book of Proverbs is about decision making. I mean, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is about a father telling his son about which women, woman to choose. Should he choose Lady Wisdom or should he choose Lady Folly? And thus, of course, the father is advocating to choose Lady Wisdom. And the question then is, how does the son know which decision to make? How does he know which way to go? 
So that is, again, a huge part of the book of Proverbs. But again, then when you get to Proverbs 10 to 31, it talks about all these different issues, again, from parenting to friendship to uh, marriage. But again, it talks about a few things in there. We read some of them about decision making. You know, there's um, if you've been around the Christian world or church for a while, there's different views on decision making. And uh, I just want to throw a couple out to you and some that might not be explicit, but implicit in churches. And uh, I kind of tagged on to these implicit rules through time, not really thinking about decision making in a very biblical and theological way until I got a little bit older. And uh, I think I just kind of heard through tidbits and things that people said, this is kind of the way decision making works. Okay? And this is one way that I, I kind of implicitly kind of heard about decision making. That decision making um, when it comes to God is like a labyrinth. It's like a maze. Okay? And you have to figure out which right way to go. Okay? And so um, it's like coming to the you know, the crossroads, do I go this way or I go that way? I'm going to pray a lot. I am going to have this, right, this language is used a lot. I have a peace about what I'm supposed to do. I am going to um, have all these things that, oh, maybe the Spirit's talking to me, God's talking to me. I will go this way. And I've got to figure out God's will. And if I go the wrong way, I'm in serious trouble, Right? If I go the wrong way, uh-oh, um, you kind of outside of what God wanted, you know, um, you're kind of doomed, and uh, you have lost the way, and you're going to miss out now because of that choice that you made. It's done for you. So that kind of labyrinth thinking. And then there was kind of the deterministic thinking. You know, if God knows all things, it doesn't matter what I do. It's just going to happen. It's kind of fatalistic. It's, uh, okay, I don't really need to go to God. I just do. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Because, you know what? I'm either part of him or I'm not. And so, who cares what I do? Kind of a deterministic or kind of fatalistic view of decision making. Well, what does Proverbs say about decision making? Let's look, okay? Look first, Proverbs 21.5. It says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. I would argue the Proverbs says that you are free to make choices. And your choices have consequences. Decisions you make can lead to Bad consequences or good consequences. So plan out. Think through. Because what you do will lead in a certain way. But at the same time, Proverbs says this. Look at 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. When it talks about lot, are you thinking about drawing straws or or picking things to do, or maybe at a football game, flipping a coin, it's going to be heads or tails. It says here, even God knows that. Even God knows the outcome of the heads or tails. He knows everything. 
And now we're a little confused. <laughs> Wait, I am free to make choices, but God knows everything that I am going to do. What is this all about? Well, guess what? The Proverbs holds them in tension, doesn't it? Right there, look with me in 16, um, verse 9. <laughs> so funny, and 16, 1. It says this, The plans of the heart belong to man, right? Choices. I have consequences. My sin is not because of God and because of my own. My sins are my own. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Both things together. And then verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Again, both things together. I could have a large and long discussion about um, God's, uh, you know, sovereignty and knowing all and our free will. I will say this. We have both. And you might say that is a contradiction. I'm going to call it a paradox. Okay. Both are seen in Scripture that God both knows all things and we have been given choice. And if you think, oh man, I'm out of the lines of Presbyterianism, if anyone knows what Presbyterianism is, um, just bear with it. You're like, oh man, what's he preaching? No, even our confession says the same thing. That we have free will. Even those Calvinists say we have free will. Right? Amen, right? You're supposed to say amen. Yes. <laughs> well, I think... Um, this idea of determinism and free will has become a quite a fun discussion in our society. It's kind of Hollywood's go-to nowadays, right? Because if you do any time-traveling movie, you have to talk about that, right? Right? You've got to talk about that, right? Because if someone knows already the future, they can make a choice to change the future, you know, all those kind of things. And then there's movies, tons of fun movies that have been out recently, like from uh, The Adjustment Bureau, The Truman Show, Gattaca, all these movies that deal with this idea of determinism and free will. One of the greatest movies I think on it is The Matrix, right? So here's Neo, and he goes to the oracle that knows all things, right? And the oracle says, Neo, you are the one. Right? You are the chosen one that will save the earth. And then Neo is uh, dealt with, you know, like, oh, great. Am I the one or not? What's this mean? And then he has choices that he makes before him. Like, should I save Morpheus? Should I save Trinity? I know the decision I should make in this moment is to love these people. But if I make that decision, it seems we'll go out of the line that I am the chosen one. Right? But he still chooses to love those people even though it might ruin the very prophecy of the oracle. And this is where Hollywood, I think, really is saying something, communicating something. Even in Neo making the right choices to love Trinity and to sacrifice his life for Morpheus, the oracle's prophecy came true. Neo didn't know how it was going to happen, but it still happened. All he knew was he was going to make the right choices in the moment, trusting, or who knows, hoping it would work out. And Hollywood says, make the right choices now, knowing that there will be hope even in the future. Everyone loves a good Hollywood ending, so that's kind of what happens. Anyway, that's a large discussion, but... It kind of shows the kind of idea of free will and determinism and how it's been played out in our culture. But how is it played out in the Bible? Does it say that? Well, 
You see in 16.4, I didn't write it down here, but right after this large section, chapter 16 is really the major chapter on decision making. After verse 3, it says this in verse 4. It says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Uh, This is kind of a quote from something earlier in the Bible, is it not? Right? Um, anyone know the story of Joseph? If you want to talk about free will and determinism, I look at that story of Joseph. Joseph um, had a dad that was um, not thinking clearly about giving him favoritism, and because of that, his brothers weren't very happy about it and um, kidnapped him and sold him, um, sold him into slavery in Egypt. And what happened was the brothers came back, and it was because of Egypt. Um, uh, Joseph's role to rise up through time, through prison, and all these things that he kind of kind of was head of over all the agriculture of Egypt and kind of saved his family indirectly by them coming back. And when his brothers meet him and they talk, what does he say about decision making? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. You see that God even takes bad decisions. <laughs> he even takes our bad choices. He even takes sin in our lives and he can use it for his glory. God is even above that. This very, these very principles, the idea that we both have free will and God knows all things, that he even takes bad decisions and uses them for his purposes, informs decision making for us. And I think it will give us, and I'm trying to answer the question for you, how do you make the right decisions? I think this helps us inform us about how we should make the right decisions. One principle is this, that we should not be preoccupied by big decisions. We should not be just gut-wrenched, worried, what am I going to do? What choice am I going to make? Because if I make this choice, I'll go down the wrong way. I might be out of God's will. And I think the principle is this. There are many pathways we could follow. Many options that we could pursue. But as long as we are seeking God, all of them can be God's will for our lives. Although only one, the path we choose, actually becomes His will. That way we are not just going from big decision to big decision. Oh no, what's going to happen? If I make this choice, I am doomed. And the other principle is this, and it's from Proverbs 27.1. It says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the future. All we can know is the present now and how God tells us that we should be living. Um, I know this can get me in trouble for some people that maybe come from, from backgrounds that prophecy is huge, discernment of what to do in the future. I just want to say this, that the majority, if not the supermajority, of prophecy that's described in Scripture is not foretelling, telling what's going to happen in the future. It's foretelling, explaining what is in the present and how God wants us to act in the present. And you know this, 
um, for all those that talk about prophecy today and stuff like that. Um, what did Deuteronomy say for those that uh, um, said this is what's going to happen and it did not happen? <laughs> they called them a false prophet. And you know what happened to false prophets? Dead. Not saying we should do that now. I'm just saying that that's, it's pretty strict. Okay? So let's not take prophecy lightly. Okay? And let's again see that Scripture is really talking about explaining the present more than it is talking just explaining the future. Okay? If Jesus can say, very God, I don't know when the Father comes back, I think we should take some heed in Should we not? Okay? And that should give us some ideas that decision-making maybe is more about the present than about just the future. Um, and I think this passage right here is kind of the crux of it all. So 16, verse 3. Okay? If you're going to see any passage of all these problems I chose, I'm going to choose this one. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Great. The thing is, if you just kind of breeze over this, you don't realize the twist that comes from this proverb. Right? And the twist is this. It really should say, commit your plans to the Lord and then your works will be established, right? Right? If I just, okay, God, here's my plan. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to pray about it. I do it, and then it will work out well. No, God says, instead in the Proverbs, it says this. It says, do your work what you're supposed to do now right, and then your plans will be good. <laughs> you see the twist there? It says, I mean, Jesus repeats it, doesn't he? He says, seek first the kingdom of God, and what happens? And all these things will be added unto you. Do you see, if you do the present well, if you are wise now, then your decisions will go well. So I'm going to answer the very question I asked at the very beginning. If anyone's confused, here's the answer. Okay? How do you make right decisions? Be wise. That's my answer. How do you make right decisions? Be wise. Oh, man. I paid for that, right? Come on. I can go buy the book. Well, I, I like buying books about these things, right? And um, one place I like to go for books, actually, I didn't have to buy this one because I got it from the Welks. They know I like football. And um, I also, um, wisdom is learning how other people have lived life. And that's why we read biographies, at least what I do, in autobiographies. Okay, how did they live? What did they do? And uh, you um, read it and you find out. So Tony Dungy's right, book uh, called A Quiet Strength. And uh, so the principles and practices and priorities of a winning life. Okay, this is it, right? This is going to figure it out right here. Tony Dungy. He's going to figure it out for me. So Tony Dungy, um, he uh, got fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it was after a 9-7 season making the playoffs. And, uh, you know, after being coach of the year just a couple years beforehand, just really, ugh. And he was kind of like, what am I going to do now? And it was decision whether he go to broadcasting, get out of football, spend time with his family, um, go coach in Carolina, or go and coach at the Indianapolis Colts. A huge decision, right? So I am ready for him to tell me how to make a discerning process about what to do, right? This is a big choice, what he's going to do in his life where he's going to go to coach. And uh, this is what 
uh, Tony Dungy said in his book about this decision. His wife and him, uh, while we weighed the options, Laura and his wife, and I spoke to people we respected about ministry, coaching, the Colts, and the Panthers, and as usual, there was no clear voice from God, not even a muffled murmur. The people we talked to kept coming back to the same thing. Follow your passion. God has created you a certain way with certain interests and passions. Follow them. Come on, man. I want to hear how to make the right decision. And he spends one paragraph on it, and he says something like this. He didn't hear from God or, you know, roll dice or whatever it might be, or hear a piece. You know, it's just boom. But then he spends a whole chapter talking about a decision that I thought was kind of insignificant. So he gets to the Colts, and the kicker for the Colts, some of you don't like football, you don't care less, but this is interesting to me. So the kicker of the Colts is Mike Vanderjack, okay? If you don't know who he is, he's a little bit of an outspoken guy. And uh, he said some very disparaging things about Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning during the off-season. And Tony calls Mike and says, I want to see you right away. And everyone is telling him, fire the dude. Just let him go. He is gone. You talk that way, you're out of here. So Tony brings Mike in and sits him down, and he's all ready to fire him, everything. And he remembers his son had talked to him and said, Dad, just listen to him. This is his son. And Mike repents. He says, I am sorry. I was wrong to do such a thing. And the coaches, other people say, you should still let him go. But Tony says this, if someone repents, someone asks for forgiveness, I should forgive. And he kept him with the team. Now, a small decision in the present that he spent this much time talking about. And this is what happened. Again, the idea is, if I commit my work to the Lord, the plans will be established. What was his plan? I want to win the Super Bowl, right? Well, they're playing his old team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won the last Super Bowl as the Indianapolis Colts, and is a lot of pressure. And there are three touchdowns back. They come back and win the game in overtime through Mike Vanderjack's kick. And this is what Tony says after. He says this, As I walked back to the locker room, it dawned on me. The Lord had allowed us to win, but only in a way in which he had to get the credit. No NFL team had ever come back three touchdowns behind in the final four minutes, but we did it while playing poorly on the road on Monday Night Football against the Super Bowl champions on my birthday. It was nothing short of miraculous. Such a thing is almost impossible to imagine, but nothing is impossible for God to accomplish. Do you see... If we care more about the decisions in the present, God saying this is the way we are supposed to live now, then our plans will be established. How do I make the right choices? I become wise. What is a structure and a person that is wise? What does it say in Proverbs? I've repeated this almost every week. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Very good. Thank you. When we fear God, when we put Him in awe first, 
then it will be able to make us think clearly and make the right decisions. If we think a right decision can rescue us, some big decision can rescue us, we are just rearranging deck chairs on a sinking ship. Men, I encourage you, um, other than reading Proverbs, to to watch a movie called Saving Mr. Banks. It was so good. And I was with my daughters, and at the end I'm just... You know, I'm just weeping. You know, I'm just emotional. So you're like, whatever, that's what Dan does. But I'm just, you know, I don't, I'm trying to show manliness in front of my daughters and my wife. And I'm just crying, you know, all over the place. But I, I was so emotional because it's a story about, you know, the writer of Mary Poppins. And specifically about her relationship with her dad. And her dad was one that said, big decisions will rescue my family. And he moved his family throughout Australia. And uh, saying, oh, if I go to this bank or that bank or have that job, it will finally go right for me. But what you saw is that um, he feared um, his job, making money, the pressures of providing. And that pressure and fear of those things drove him to say, the only comfort I can find is in drinking. To the point where he drunk himself to death. And you see, when we fear God versus fearing those other things, we are able to then be able to make decisions in the present, whatever comes our way, that the plans will actually work out, that finally our ways will be established, rather than thinking again, a big decision is what will be able to save me. And um, I want to say this. When we are wise, we don't come to God saying this. God, give me guidance so I can get what I want. But instead, when we're wise, we say this. You are what I need. Guide me in your ways. See, a wise person would say, God, this is what I want. This is where I want to go. Help me to get there. Instead, we say, God, you are the guide. I trust in where you would lead me to go. And you reveal to me in the present through your word, through how I'm supposed to live, what I'm supposed to do. So maybe I should concentrate on that and trust in you and what you might have for the future. So again, I say the will of God concerns the present more than the future. It deals with our motives as well as of our actions. It focuses on the little decisions that we make every day even more than the big decisions we make about the future. And the truth is, the only time we really have both to know and to do God's will is in the present moment. Man, I haven't helped you at all, have I? Right? Have I helped you? Well, I think I need to give some practicals, right? Well, still, how do I know what wise decision to make? Well, I think I'm going to try to give you some practical things here in the Proverbs, and uh, then we'll be done. So Proverbs 12:25, it says this, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him 
glad. You see, when we fear God, when we do not fear money, the future, people, other things, it allows us to see clearly in making a decision in the present. And many times what happens is past decisions that we've made can really ruin us in trying to make decisions in the present. Because it does this. Oh, great. I made that choice in the past. It's put me where I am in the present. There is no way I'm going to be able to get out of this. There is no plan for me. I have botched it. I have ruined it. Look, I have spent the way I wanted to in the past. It's led me in debt. Therefore, I'm never going to get out of it. So there's no point in spending wisely now. But God says this. No, your past does not make you. And I can rescue you wherever you are. Whatever decision you have made, I will come to you. I will be with you. I have a plan for you. And when we fear Him, not what we've done in the past, that allows us, even in the present moment, with the bad decision we made in the past, to make the right choice now. And you know what also can happen? Many times people have made decisions for us. Someone has sinned against us. Someone has done wrong against us. And we say, because that person has done this thing to me, there is, I am so bitter. I am so angry. This is, I've experienced that. There's no way I'm going to get out of it now. I mean, there's no way I'm going to have a, a real trustworthy friendship now because of what's happened to me in the past. There is no way I can live for God now or do this because of all this that I've collected about what someone has done to me. Again, a wise person says, I fear the Lord, not what someone else has done to me. And because of that, I can even be friends and go into loyalty with others, even when I have faced major damage and hurt in the past. Oh man, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off for a second, okay? Ready? Sorry, let me go off for a second. This is off script. This is so true in church. Especially in Appleton. I just want to tell you, I've been so hurt and I've been so damaged by past churches. I don't even want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be around these people anymore. If this is what church is, forget it. And it taints everyone's experience of church and even being in the moment. Do you believe that God has established His church to do the work in this world? If you do, you should love the church even from what you've experienced in the past. Even the damage you have. Guess what? I'm going to hurt you too in this church. You are going to be hurt here. It's going to happen. But if you fear the Lord, you bear with others and you're able to move forward in those moments. I mean, I, I say this every week, but I think it is the problem of our age where we, in, we just isolate ourselves, we put ourselves away from others, and we don't deal with the issues that happen to each other and move forward. Okay. Sorry I say it every week, but I think it's a major problem. Okay. Okay. Also, we worry about the future. And many times that taints what we can do in the present in decision-making. We dwell on what might happen 
We dwell, we're paralyzed by, well, what if I marry this person? What if I date that person? What if this happens or that happens? And we're just paralyzed. When God says, you don't know what's going to happen. Make a choice now. I was paralyzed when I tried to make the choice if I should marry my wife or not. And finally God said to me, not audibly, but through his peace, I guess, through his word, you don't know what Aaron's going to be like in five years or ten years. She might walk away from the faith. She might have a terminal illness. She might have a terminal disease. She might not want ever kids. She might not be able to have kids. But do you still trust and fear me versus the decision-making that you have no idea all the permutations that will happen with the decision that you are going to make? And then also making wise decisions. And I'm going to read a few of these passages and then explain it specifically about guidance, other people's guidance on you. 11.14, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. In 12.20, it says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. And then 14.10 says, Oh, did I have 14.10 there? Maybe I didn't. Put 14.10. says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. And then 24.7. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate, he does not open his mouth. One that fears God and one that is wise can be able to hear from others and seek guidance. You can be able to go to counselors and say, I have no idea what to do with my money. I, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to parenting. I am failing miserably when it comes to my marriage. And you have the ability to say, I need your guidance. I need your help in what I should do. And when we fear God and not man or what others might think, it allows us to go to people and seek that kind of guidance. And we need to seek the right person. Again, in 14, uh, 10, it, it said that the heart knows its own bitterness. Oh, sorry, not my bad. 12, 20 was it? 12, 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. We should seek those for guidance that have the best for us and also fear the Lord. Those that are guidance just doesn't tell us what we're supposed, um, what we want to hear, but they tell us what God is telling us what we should do in our lives and are directed by His fear and by the Word. And then also speak up in the gates. Uh, You know, we've been... I've said this, the gates is where wisdom comes, it's where the community met, it's where wisdom called in Proverbs. Um, we have made our summer conversations those gates. If you're the person that um, is saying, oh, I, I don't, uh, you talk in secret and say, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't believe what they say. That's the kind of person that is talking about the one that is a fool, that does not speak up in the gate and hear from wisdom in those places, I encourage you, if you're wondering about marriage or parenting, go to these discussions and hear from people. And if you're like, I am trying to figure it out, talk to them, speak out, and seek wisdom rather than going back and muttering to yourself or just being, you know, maybe 
muttering to your spouse and not working on what is being taught by others or by God's wisdom. And for those that are counselors, I just want to encourage you, there's limitation of counsel. Um, The scripture, again, in Proverbs, it says we don't know a man's heart. Only the Lord knows what's going on. And as much guidance as we give, there are so many complexities and issues that are going on in people that we need to pray that God be working upon them. And we need to be patient with the work that he is doing. Lastly, Proverbs 29:18, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. I can easily say that we should not plan, that we should not have visions, that we should not make ideas and say this is the way we should go. No, I don't think Proverbs is saying that. We should make plans. We should have ideas of what we should do. And uh, the thing is, it needs to be within the idea of God's law and his parameters. Example is this. On the 27th, we're going to have a meeting, congregation. We're going to talk about our future and where we're headed as a church plant, what we want to do. And it's good to plan. It's good to think about the future, about church planning, about hiring, about all those kind of things. We need to do those things. But I am telling you, it is so easy for me as a pastor to get stuck in some kind of quick fix to be able to make a church amazing. I've been been very convicted of this lately. I've um, hung out with some different pastors in the area that I've seen this week and the different things that they're doing. And they're hip and they're cool, man. They do some cool stuff. And I'm like, man, if I just did that, then this church would be sick. You know? That's good, right? Sick is good. Okay. This church would be amazing, you know? If I just do this or that. It is all good to try different things. And we will. We'll have fun events and things like that. But I am telling you, let's do what God tells us to do well in the present. And I think it's this. We're going to preach the word. <laughs> we're going to love God. And we're going to love one another. I'm telling you, if we do that well, then the plans will go well for us. All those events, then they'll have purpose and meaning. Whether we have, you know, a saxophone up front, that's going to cure all, you know? we don't love others and have a saxophone, it's not going to work. You know? But that is really what we need to do well. And that is given to us in clearly a directive in the present. I tell you, there was a guy. He didn't know what to do for his job. He was incredibly confused. What should I do? What choice should I make? He said, you know what? I'm just going to go back to what I did. I'm going to keep on fishing. And guess what? His friend said, if you're going to keep on fishing because you're the leader, we're going to keep fishing too. And, and then Jesus came back. And he said to this guy, Peter, what are you doing? What, what, what is going on? And he says, do you love me, Peter? He says, of course, man, I love you. And he says again, do you love me? Lord, of course I love you. And he asked a third time, do you love me? He says, God, you know all things. And he's, he's just perplexed and he's anguished at this point. Of course you know that I love me. And this is when Jesus says something 
so profound to Peter. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. You, you say it every week in what you sing. I say it every week. Do you love me? Of course I love you, God. I love you. Do you and he says it again. Do you love me? Of course I love you. You know that I love you. I sing these songs. I come to church. Of course I love you. Again, do you love me? Peter, you were fishing. You were not following me. You thought this path was the right way to go. Instead of following me. If I truly love God, if you truly love God, you would know this wherever he guides you, wherever he takes you, whatever plan he has for you, he loves you and he cares for you and he has something for you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide us. Come to us. Speak to your word in us. And God, I pray that we would follow you in everything. Wherever you might take us. And that in the present, we would not be distracted by the past or the future. But we would abide by the will that you've given us now. In your word. To live it out. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Let's respond. And we are going to um, sing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Jeremy, this song is this week amazing. Good choices, man. Good job. So, stand and sing.